So I know here on the Sports Cubicle, we've been concentrating on what's been going on in the United Center on the hardwood. We had a draft. We have free agency. A lot of craziness with the team that ended up in the Eastern Conference playoffs. But that isn't the only residence that is happening at the United Center that's had a couple of big days. We want to know your thoughts of everything that's happening in Chicago here on the Sports Cubicle with Dan Marver, Devin Tingle, Paul Shivari, and myself, Mike Mercado. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. And Devin, there has been a lot of crazy news for the Blackhawks, one of the original teams in this great sport. What's going on? Well, let's see. There's a lot. We got a new head coach, new GM, and I got a strange feeling before the season, we may get rid of some of our fan favorites, and during the season, we may have to get rid of another fan favorite here. And I couldn't think of anyone better than to bring on the co-founder of the Rink.com and one of the hosts of the Chicago Blackhawks Rinkcast, Jeff Osborne. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. So, Jeff, before so, we Jeff- get into the craziness, and Dev has been putting these notes together, Polly's doing all the research. I, we, I just needed to get your thoughts before we get into the Blackhawks, what's going on with the new front office, the new coaching staff, and kind of the change of the organization. We just saw Lord Stanley find a new home, an old home, but a new home nonetheless. The, the zombies, the vampires, the monsters that are the Tampa Bay Lightning's finally found a foe that was able to kind of beat them in their own game in a lot of different facets in Colorado. Before we get into the local stuff here in Chicago, your thoughts of the Stanley Cup and how that all kind of came together and Tampa finally finding a kryptonite in the avalanche. Well, I mean, Tampa and Colorado, they're both great teams. Uh, you, you, you couldn't have a, you couldn't really have a loss no matter who won or who lost, um, you know, Tampa Bay has, has taken over from what the Blackhawks were for like those six years, that dynasty that they were. And then, you know, they won two in a row and they were going for the third in a row, which is, and, and a lot of people are forgetting that, you know, they lost to the Blackhawks in 2015. So if you go from 2015 to 2022 in seven years, they've been in the cup final four times. So, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, so even if they won, that's not, you know, I, I, I don't know a lot of people that would have been like, yeah, that that's a huge upset, but a lot of people don't real realize this, but over at the rink, we used, to, we covered the uh, Colorado avalanche for the last couple of years as well. So we got a good close look at the Colorado avalanche and what they are. And that team is just a solid juggernaut from bottom to top. And they've got a solid GM who will steal everything out from under you. They've got a great uh, staff that, uh, you know, can draft and develop. You, you got you know people like Kale McCarr that they drafted and things like that. And then you've got the, the big trades that they've made, like Matt Duchesne, get rid of him and getting assets for that. Like they've pulled all the right strings, kind of like what you might say that Dale Talon did before Stan Bowman stepped in, where he kind of pulled a bunch of the right strings. And at the end, you, see, you put that, you know, that Marion Hosa into the mix and boom, that just pushed him right over the edge. That's kind of how what happened in uh, Colorado, you know, it was just, it was just fate sooner or later. It was going to happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you bring a very, uh, very good point there. It's happened in Colorado is it's like, this is kind of sort of seem a little bit like what the Blackhawks were in the 2009, 2010 years. That was 11 years ago. Now, uh, 12 years ago now, it was 2022. And we definitely have not really seen much of that team. The Blackhawks were on the worst teams last year here. And now bringing in a new head coach, there's kind of a lot of debate here, but most fans are saying, this is the start of the rebuild that this team needs here. And I'm just kind of curious, do you think this is the start of the rebuild? And if so, how many more changes do you think are going to happen here? Because I'm telling you right now, as we've learned with, you know, like teams like the Bears, you know, the White Sox, you bring in someone for management, you're going to most likely clean house in every other way, shape, and form. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
that honestly we've preached for a while now that the Blackhawks have not been good for five, six years. They really haven't. And they've just been kind of treading water. Stan Bowman was just trying to keep getting seats, you know, getting people, getting butts in the seats and trying to sell jerseys and things like that. But they were not a good team. They weren't, you know, their underlying numbers, they didn't do real well. There were, there were some, some flashes here and there where they played well, but overall they've not been a really good team for a while. So um, the, the rebuild honestly should have started three years ago. It really should have, you know, like Stan should have been honest with himself, but they were drinking too much of their Kool-Aid. They thought that everything that they did just turned up aces and it didn't, you know, after, after they lost to, um, you know, uh, to the predators, like nothing was working, nothing was working. And they had, they had bled their, their, their cabinets or their system dry by trading away anyone that was young and had some talent. Uh, you know, the Panarin thing is another thing altogether, but you know, they just, they waited too long. They, they, uh, you know, they figured they could maybe squeeze another cup out of Taze and Kane, but, and Keith and, and so, and so forth. But those guys were breaking down. And once Marion Hosa retired, that was just the end of it. Like that was their defense, everything in their own end, was helped by what Marion Hosa brought to the ice. And once he was gone and Seabrook couldn't play much anymore and Keith was kind of, you know, getting older and, and getting a little bit slower and they got rid of Jalmerson. And that's a lot to lose in your back end from a team that, you know, they're quite frankly in 2015, they were, uh, that was probably Joe Quenville's best coaching year because they only had four defensemen, maybe three and a half defensemen that year that they carried through the playoffs with those guys and won the Stanley cup. That was probably, I, I get it. I I've said it for a while now that, that that was probably his best performance as a coach, because that's where he really had to show what he could do and what he could bring to a team. And, and here we are five, you know, five, six years later. And uh, you know, everyone's gone and it just shows that their, their talent really dropped off. I'm glad that you brought up a lot of the trading the young kids talent here because uh coach richardson he says you know he's one of the guys he's great with working young kids he says he's looking for the challenge and he's looking to build a new team here but at the same time like you said they want to sell as many Kane and taze jerseys to people like my mom because those are the only players that they still remember from years ago here how much of a say do you think coach richardson is going to have in who stays on this team if this year especially with Kane and taze beyond their last year in their contracts well you know bringing him in they're not going to not listen to him uh, they're going to listen to him or they're going to at least consult him. Maybe they won't, maybe they won't do what he asks, but they're going to at least consult them or they're going to say, this is the direction we're going in. This is what we're looking for. They want to be on the same page. They don't want a disconnect between the front office and behind the bench. So they want to keep him informed. And, and, and I got to be honest, Kyle Davidson has really impressed me with what he's shown so far. He's been open. He's been honest. Stan Bowman lied to fans. Rocky Works, everybody, the whole organization from top to bottom lied to fans after they got they got swept that one year in the playoffs and it just told them you're gonna they're gonna be good. We're gonna be good again. We're gonna be good this year. We're gonna be good this year. For four straight years, they tried doing that and they got worse every year. Instead of being honest with themselves and just pulling off the band-aid and saying, Hey, listen, we we'd rather trade a guy a year too early than a year too late and start cleaning house. They didn't do any of that. They hung on to him way too long. They hung on to Keith too long. Seabrook, they tried to baby him along. Like Crawford is what he was. Like T- Kane and Taze, they're great players. They were great players for over a decade. But you know what? Kane's going to start to fall off. Maybe you want to trade him before he starts getting real bad. And Jonathan Taze has already fallen off. He almost, you know, he, there's there's some speculation out there. He could have been ready to retire. So 
you know, they, they're waited way too long. They wasted prime years of Kane and Tay's, uh careers by lying to fans and telling them that they were better than they were. And now, now they're at a, a spot where they can't even probably get equal value for any of these players. They're going to take losses on some of this. They're going to have to eat salary. They're going to do stuff like that. And that's going to make the, uh, the rebuild in the end. It's going to make it two years longer, maybe. Jeff Osborne joining us today from the rink.com and all the other amazing work that he's doing on the website with the team. We are talking about the NHL, the new look for the Chicago Blackhawks in the future for this organization. Polly, what do you got? Well, we were talking about Colorado winning this year and, and with them being a central division rival of the Blackhawks and, and Colorado being a really good team too, a president's trophy winner of the Stanley cup as well. You know, when you look back at the the last Western Conference champion, another Central Division rival, St. Louis Blues, three years ago, you know, what kind of pressure does that put on a struggling organization like the Blackhawks seeing division rivals? And I think what even Dallas got in losing to Tampa during one of the COVID finals as well, with it being such a strong division, and that's not even talking about what's going on on the other side of the conference in the Pacific you know, I, I wanted to get your thoughts, Jeff, on just kind of what kind of pressure does that put on an organization that should and needs to rebuild, even though they can't get back to that level quick enough, they still know that the class of the division is championship caliber hockey. Yeah, um, that's kind of like where I go, where I go back to where I say I'm impressed with what I've seen from Kyle Davidson, because he's tried to be open and honest. He says, we're going to rebuild. We're going to be bad for a little bit. It's going to hurt for a little bit. Kind of what you saw out of the New York Rangers, where they just came out to people and said, hey, listen, we have to get better. And the only way we're going to get better is by breaking down the old walls and building up our new walls. And that's kind of what Kyle Davidson, I think he's taken a page out of that book. Now, do we know exactly what he's going to do? No, we don't. He's only been in, you know, he's only been in, in the, in charge of the team for a short period of time, but what I've seen out of him and what I've heard out of him has been, you know, pretty, pretty interesting and pretty positive in my mind, because you, you sometimes you just, like I said, you, you have to rip off that bandaid and, you know, if it, and I'm sure you guys are going to get to this about, you know, trading players and things like that, but like, Sometimes you just got to make those hard decisions. That's what being a GM in a, in a major sport is. You got to make these hard decisions. There's players you got to let go that, that may be fan favorites, but in the long term, that's that's going to make your team that much better down the road than maybe adding three or four wins this year when they're going to be a bad team. They might as well just tank. The draft next year is going to be good. Like, Just suck it up. Have as much fun as you can. Understand they're not probably going to win a lot of games but we could try to go out there and have a little fun and enjoy it. If you're honest with fans, I think fans are smart enough nowadays that if you're honest with them, they will accept that and they will be along for the ride. But when you lie to them and you lie to them and you lie to them and you lie to them, then they start to distrust you. And that's what you got with Stan Bowman and that whole front office and and Rocky and them. We're going to be good. We're going to be good. We're going to be good. Well, what what's happened? They've gotten worse every year. And some of some people who actually pay attention close enough realize that they were not going to be good. And here we are, you know, the prophecy fulfilled itself. Well, okay. So the prophecy fulfilling itself is this is a team, the three Stanley cups and all of them had an interesting season to them. Interesting stories, interesting ways to win the whole dang thing. But how much has the league changed since the Blackhawks were in their last Stanley Cup. How much has the league changed since Jonathan Tays and Patrick Haynes and Seabrook and Duncan Keith and all these these stalwarts 
were the main guys in the NHL. How much is the league itself, the strategy, the way it's played, the speed, the size, how much has it changed that this new regime is going to have to not only change the roster, but change the philosophy and the way, like you said, smart fans of Chicago have seen a lot of rebuilds, have been learning what a rebuild is. How much is that going to be a difference when we do see the next great Blackhawks team? How much is the change going to be? I don't know. I, I think sometimes that it's overrated when people say that the league has changed. It's always going to change. It's always going to evolve. Rules are going to change the way things are going to happen. Players generally are smaller than they were 10, 20 years ago, but they're faster. But that doesn't mean that there's not a physical game out there. If you watch how the games are played in the playoffs, they're tough physical games. That doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have a guy who's six foot nine and weighs 250 pounds because he's probably not going to be able to move in this NHL and people are going to blow right by him. What you have to have is physical players that are bigger relative to what the players are in the NHL right now. So you have, you know, players that are six foot three, six foot four, 220 pounds rather than six foot nine, 250 pounds like a Dustin Bufflin nowadays is much of a freak of a nature as he was in his day. Right now, he'd be having trouble, like even if he was in his prime, because he just wasn't fast enough to keep up with some of like Connor McDavid, uh, Nathan McKinnon. You get these fast, these speed burners who will blow by you in three steps. They will be right around you. Pe people like that will, would be hurting nowadays. So it's it's getting slightly smaller, but I think sometimes people... Um, overestimate how much the game has really changed at the core of the game. It's a physical game in the playoffs. It's a less physical game in the, in the regular season. And, and that's where the difference is the most of the differences, but I don't think it's going to be that much different to be honest with you. Before we get to the fun stuff with Dev and Paul about the future and trades want to stay in what was this past season. And that was all the news about Kyle beach, Joe Quinville, the front office and the impact, not only in the sport, this affected the Florida Panthers, a team that we saw that was one of the best teams in the entire league and how they bounced out in the playoffs thanks to Tampa Bay. But you're, how much did that really impact this team on the ice? I mean, there was a lot of guys there that were there from the beginning when the scandal started to this, to this point right now. Did, do you think it really made an impact on the game that was being played on the rink and that was being coached at the time? How big of an impact was that entire controversy? It definitely, it definitely affected the, the Chicago Blackhawks. It affected the Chicago Blackhawks. It affected the NHL and it affected sports in general, just sport, professional sports. It was one of the biggest things to happen, you know, in, in, in all of sports, uh, I think in the past 15 years um, and, and, and in a negative way. And I'll be honest with you, I've been a Blackhawks fan my entire life and um, my fandom, it, it took it. My fandom took a hit took a big head. I mean, I've got their, their logo tattooed on my body. And um, like, I, I, I haven't worn, a, I don't think I've worn anything from the Blackhawks in eight months. Probably. I'm just like, it, it disgusted me the whole thing. Um, it, I, the way they treated it, everything about it. Uh, just, it was, it was bad. It was bad. It was, they, they put someone's life, you know, in, or, you know, in behind winning, they wanted to win. And, and this guy's life, they kind of turned it upside down. And it, it was, it was, so, I mean, to be, you know, to go back to your original question, yeah, it, it affected everything. Now, do I think that Jeremy Carlton would have been a better coach if the scandal didn't happen? No, I don't. 
Jeremy Cowlton, I had enough of him, you know, a year and a half ago. He should have been gone a while ago. Um, I, I had heard things and, and, you know, I heard rumblings that the team would just didn't like him. Uh, I, I heard one player called him the, the worst coach he's ever played for. And he played on worse teams than the Blackhawks. Like I have heard a lot of bad things about Jeremy Cowlton. He just wasn't ready for the job when he was thrown in there. Um, they didn't have a better option when Joel Quenville, when they wanted to fire Joel Quenville. And uh, they just, thought because he was a, you know, he was a whiz kid for a year in the, uh, you know, the AHL that uh, he, they could just bring him in because like I said before, they were drinking their own Kool-Aid. They thought that everything they did came up aces. And in the last five years, they found out that that's not quite what it is. It was a lot of luck uh, that, that got him where they were. Joining us for just a few more minutes is the one and only Jeff Osborne from the rink. Make sure you guys check out the podcast. They do a wonderful job, him and the entire team covering this sport that seems to never end even during the off season. Polly, what do you got for our guest? Uh, well, with this being Luke Richardson's first NHL head coaching job, you know, you, you talk about how Colleton just kind of didn't really have the resume when he came in and, and Richardson definitely does have that resume. You know, he's been an assistant coach in the NHL for a long time, worked under Claude Julian you know, he had a good connection with the Ottawa Senators until they basically didn't want to hire him to be head coach. It seems like he's been gunning for an opportunity like this, despite the fact that maybe he doesn't have the best roster to work with in, in the uh, initial go of it. I had, I had a couple ways I wanted to kind of go with this, though, about like with what, what he's up against and what that could be do to potentially help or jeopardize his future coaching career. But, but when you look at the way, you know, when they brought in Joel Quenville, legendary coach, you know, in 2008, and they were trying to help a young, talented team get better. That was the storyline when they hired him. When they fired Quenville to bring Colleton, it was more of uh, a guy that was in the system with the ice togs, developing the young talent, trying to keep the pipeline going. What would be Luke Richardson's storyline for this hire? What, where, where does he kind of fit in? for the organization when you compare it to the last two coaching hires. Yeah, I would, I would really liken Luke Richardson that hire to what Dennis Savard was before uh, Joel Quenville. Um, you know, this is the guy that's going to get him through the pain, or at least gonna, they're going to try to get him through the pain. I don't know that Luke Richardson is going to be the coach of the Chicago Blackhawks when they're actually good again. Uh, you know, there's going to be three, four years where they need to be able to develop talent. They need to draft talent. They need to develop talent through the system. They're going to need to be able to acquire young players and develop them as well, because you can't have, you can't have a winning team in the NHL. If you can't draft and develop talent and the Blackhawks haven't drafted and developed talent since before Stan Bowman was, uh, you know, was GM. They, a lot of the guys that they had on that team through that, those cup runs were all drafted by Dale Talon or Mike Smith and developed and brought in and then, and then Stan Bowman took over the year before they, they won that, that cup. And he really didn't develop anyone through the system. There were a couple of, couple of guys who they drafted and threw them right in the NHL and they worked everybody else that they, that needed to be developed. They didn't develop them. They ended up giving up on them after a couple of years and then trading them away. So they need to be able to draft these people, develop them. And I think that's what they're coming from with this guy that he can, he can work with young players. He um, I thought maybe Derek King could too, because he seemed to connect with the younger players. I don't really think, and uh, you know, I've been saying this for a while. I really don't think 
that uh, it mattered who they really, you know, th- there wasn't a whole lot of bad choices for coach right but, now but because he's like the sacrificial lamb. Is it important to you though, that, that was it important to you though, that, you know, Richardson's not a previous Blackhawks guy, totally outside of the organization higher, whereas King would have just been kind of a continuation of Colleton, but maybe a, a better than Colleton sort of guy. No, that's a great point. I mean, I, I thought, I that, mean, you know, so, so I mean, Richardson not being a Blackhawk, is that important? I don't, I don't know that it's important, but I think that that's probably the road they should have taken because of the fact that there was such a toxic, toxic, you know, environment in that, in there. And it was just a year ago, you know, that, that all these guys were still around. Stan Bowman was still around. Like Colleton was still around. A lot of the guys who were actually in the system coaching, uh, in, in, you know, uh, prospect or not prospects, but uh, all the other people in the, in the organization were still around from when that scandal happened. So I think they had to do a cleanse of the system. Um, so that's why I was kind of, you know, hoping they would go out and get, you know, someone from, you know, like Matthew Darch or, or someone like that, uh, you know, from another organization, bring somebody in, bring some fresh eyes, come in and, 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 you know, scrub it clean and with, without, you know, oh, I love Jonathan Tays because he's been in the organization for this many years and uh, I know him and I see him in the hallway a lot. And what am I going to do when I'm saying he needs to go kind of thing? So, you know, you bring in these new fresh faces. They could they could come in w- with a clean slate and write it down on the board and we got to change these things. That's kind of what I was hoping for. But Kyle, Kyle Davidson, I think, has been doing that. It was surprisingly, you know, I think he's been honest with all this you know, what they have to do, mentioning names like DeBrinkett, Kane, Taves, like, you know, that, that used to be taboo. You can't mention getting rid of any, any people like that, that the fans like and buy jerseys. So, uh, you know, bringing in a coach from outside your organization. Sure. Yes. That's great. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, if they weren't going to keep King, I don't think there was anyone else in the organization you had, they, they could do that. So you were going to probably have to, if you didn't go stay with King anyway. Dev. Final question for our amazing guests. We've learned a lot today. I mean, you talk about going through the gambits and really going down the weaves with somebody who's not only passionate, but very intelligent about the sport and the people behind it in Jeff Osborne. Of course, that's how everybody is over at the rink. And we appreciate what they do for us here on the Sports Key Booker with Dan Marver, Devin Single, Paul Shavari, and myself, Mike Mercado. Dev, what you got? Well, Jeff, you kind of said it best. It's taboo to talk about trading Kane and Taze, but they're on their last year of their contract. I think this has to be the year. I got basically two, two and a half questions here, really. Who do you think the first to go uh, those two is going to be? My money's on Kane because he's got more value. Second, the draft class this year really isn't that great. The Blackhawks don't have a draft pick. Do you think they'll trade for a first-round draft pick in this draft, or is this these trades going to be – before the season or kind of during the season for some younger prospects here? Well, they're, they're going to take calls on everyone. And, and they've said that they openly said that they're, you know, they're open for business. We'll listen to anything you got to bring to us. But um, you know, we've, I, and I, and I just saw it, saw it today that, you know, there was, there's rumors out there that Elliot Friedman said that uh, Alex, there was an offer for Alex to bring it that included two first round draft picks one of them would have been a very a pretty high draft first round draft pick and the Blackhawks have turned it down. So, you know, do I think they're going to get it? They're going to try to get back in the first round. What, I know the draft isn't great, but they're going to try and get a, a first round draft pick because you need young players that you can develop. And if you can't get in the first round, then maybe you got to go out and get 
you know, a second year guy, a guy that was drafted last year in the draft, that's a young, hot prospect that you could bring into your system and you could develop. You got to start going young because you, you start bringing these guys in their mid to later 20s. And by the time the Blackhawks are good in four years, you're talking about a guy that's 32 years old. Like you can't do that. You got to start bringing in the young. You got to start shoveling out the old guys that are the guys that are starting to get old. Now, as far as who goes first, like I'd like to say Jonathan Taves goes, but who's going to take him? You're going to have to eat a salary. You're going to have to eat half of a salary. Probably uh, Patrick Kane. I mean, he's got, he, he's got the resume and he still plays at a high level, but not a lot of teams can take on a $10.5 million cap hit. You're going to have to eat some of a salary. And then that's going to, that's going to then take down what you can actually acquire back because you're going to take a hit on some of that because you're, you know, you're eating salary and they're going to say, well, you know, you know, this guy's a diminishing, diminishing asset and he he's up at the end of the year. So you might see Patrick Kane go like at the trade deadline. Now, will anyone want Jonathan Taves? I don't know. Do I don't know. You know, I, I'm, I'm hearing that like, you know, I, and I'm just throwing this out there. I thought of this the other day when I was listening on, on the radio mm-hmm. that, um, you know, the, the Bruins are really taking a hit at their center, center ice position. And would they want to take a, would they want to take a, a hit, a, you know, a, a swing at John, bringing Jonathan Taze in for a year to help solidify some of their, you know, center, center ice depth. I don't know. Maybe wow. um, I'm going to think that the first person that people are asking for though, Alex to he's 24 years old. He's cost controlled. He's got a, you know, he's got a reasonable salary for at least the next couple of years. He's a pretty much a bona fide 35 to 40 goal scorer. So I'm thinking when, when a GN's calling, uh, you know, Kyle Davidson, the first thing is what, what do you want for uh, Alex to That's what I'm thinking. Whether he goes or not, I don't know. It seems like he's being wise about these offers. He's not going to just jump at it. Kind of like we did with Brandon Hagel. The Tampa Bay way overpaid for Brandon Hagel. And that's what they would have to do to get Alex to If you hang on to Alex to that's cool. All right, fine. You can't get an offer that you want. All right, I get it. But if you do get that offer that blows you out of the water, you need to pull that trigger yesterday. Jeff, where can the people, the millions and millions of people and millions, millions, what, uh, tell me, brother, I mean, you know, you guys are doing an awesome job of the baby that you helped create and everything that's going on behind the scenes and obviously on the audio format as well. Uh, where can the, the amazing audience here in Chicago and the sports cubicle, uh, check out your work and check out the amazing stuff you guys are doing over at the website. Yeah. Our website is www.thudashrink.com. Uh, we were covering the Blackhawks. I covered the actual, the, the uh, Seattle Kraken last year for a while. I took a little, I took a year off and, uh, <laughs> but I'm back this year. Uh, we'll be, we'll be writing a little bit less, but we're doing podcasting and video casting a little bit more. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks Ringcast. I'm actually going to be starting a new podcast too, uh, called the net perspective with a friend of mine. Who's a goaltender. We're both goaltenders. We're both coaches and we talk about goaltending a lot. So it's going to be goaltending centric throughout the NHL kind of we're going to talk about everything from you know draft drafting and developing kids developing kids to be goaltenders things like that so that's going to be a new thing uh, we're about to get rolling probably this summer so you'll have that that podcast look for that um, you could follow us on the Twitter machine at the rink official and um, I'm at puck and hostel uh, on Twitter and uh, you could follow us on all those places Jeff, you are awesome. The team is awesome. I want you to know that Devin and Paul, who had to leave a little earlier, we want to thank you so much. I mean, you talk about talking to three dummies and making us seem a little bit smarter about the sport that we love on the ice. We really appreciate it. Uh, any final words for your, your people here in Chicago? 
Uh, just uh, hang in there, man. Hang in there. It's going to be it's going to be rough for a little bit, but I think at the end they're at least taking the right steps in the beginning, and we'll see what happens. Jeff Osborne, the rink. Dot com. Make sure you put that dash in between the and rink. Make sure when you're doing your Google searches. All right, kids, do it properly. Follow them on the socials. It's Devin Tingle. It's Paul Shivari. It's Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado. We got more coming up here on the Sports Keep It Go on WCPT 820 AM.